The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. The last couple of mornings we've been touching on uh, pain and uh, the addictive circumstances around a lot of the medications that ease severe chronic pain, particularly back pain. Um, and uh, we, we were talking about dope sick yesterday and indeed the day before and uh, this is a it's a brilliant brilliant dramatization i called it a documentary it's not a documentary because we actually started to watch it again last night there are eight episodes of it um and i'm just looking here uh d and whitechurch says gareth just for clarity dope sick on disney plus is not a documentary rather it's a dramatization based on real life story Uh, starring the brilliant Michael Keaton, Batman himself. It's a must-watch and an eye-opener when it comes to policy within the pharmaceutical industry. Cheers. Uh, Thanks for that, Dee. So we sat down yesterday. We watched the first two episodes enthralled by the series. Brilliant, brilliant production standards as well. Uh, Keaton won um, lead actor at the Golden Globe Awards back back then. 28th uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards. 12th Critics' Choice Television Awards for his performance as the Doc in the series. It received hugely positive reviews. Um, It focuses on the epicentre of America's struggle with opioid addiction. And Professor Colin O'Gara was talking about opioids, heroin, codeine, um, uh, OxyContin. This is across the United States on how individuals and families are affected by it. On the alleged conflicts of interest involving Purdue Pharma, who manufactured OxyContin and various government agencies such as the Food and Drug Administration and the United States Department of Justice. OxyContin, that's the theme running through the movie and how it affects Uh, many of the characters who star in it. Extraordinary to watch the deterioration of people who are started on it. It's a brand new drug when this series kicks off. And the sales pitch from Purdue to the doctor is, Doc, this is the miracle relief for chronic severe pain. It is not addictive. It's not addictive, Doc, so you don't have to worry about that. So gradually, uh, with a certain degree of suspicion, he starts... Uh, prescribing it to some of his patients, low doses first. And he's astonished by the way these people who are crippled with severe pain from working down the mines in Virginia um, are literally returned to what looks like a, a wonderfully happy, healthy life mentally and physically. But then they have to up the dose because the OxyContin is so strong, the body's craving it, it needs a bigger dose. And then they start giving out 80 Uh, milligram tablets, extraordinary levels of high dosage of such a dangerous, dangerous drug. So uh, we're on episode two. I suggest you watch it. I think you'll find it fascinating. So um, we also had Angela on actually yesterday. Angela, who has chronic back pain, she's taking OxyContin on a daily basis. But are tablets the wrong option? A lot of you have been getting in touch with texts and your, your messages asking the question, discussing methods you're using to try and avoid very seriously addictive medication and do we need to delve deeper and get to the source of the pain uh dominic hegarty runs pain relief ireland he's on the line with me now good morning to you dominic good morning gareth good morning um you by the way i i have to recommend your website uh it's it's an excellent website i have to say and very insightful particularly from the point of view of pain and medication and obviously medication is probably uh, the one-stop shop for many people because 
I think people tend to say, I don't really have the time to carry out the physical exercises, the Pilates, the, you know, the physio that's required to actually yeah. alleviate this pain. It's much easier just to get a prescription from my doctor and go to the pharmacy. Isn't that the case? It may appear that way. And, and firstly, so thank you very much for bringing this kind of topic to the airways. It's very important that people realize that there, there are pros and cons to medication. And I suppose just as a caveat, people who are on these products, I wouldn't suddenly suggest they, they stop them because stopping them in a hurry can equally cause problems. So if people are having difficulties, um, they need to, to manage that as well. So I think that's just as a caveat for people who are on these products because, as you said, there's a lot of people on them. But I, I suppose from... A pain consultant's perspective, um, what, what my target is, is to try and eliminate and at least minimize these levels of products for people to give them back a quality of life without depending on pharmacology. And it must be said, there are great tools. There is a there is a role for them, but the role has to be modulated, has to be looked after, it has to be taken care of. And that's, I suppose, where the, the, hook, the crux of the question is, where do we draw a line and when do interventions such as pain procedures, perhaps Pilates, more advanced techniques, where do they fit into it? And there's there's a huge role uh, for this. And very often it's lack of knowledge, um, Garrett, from people. They just don't know there is another option. And they, they believe that popping the pills every morning and every night is the only solution to the problem. And the reverse then happens. People get enough of it and they just say they give up on the, the tablets. And of course, they're still left with the pain. So there's a no-win situation for these individuals. But I would be in the general physicians, pain physicians, we would be offering things like interventions, injections, localized target injections to these areas. Um, and this area has developed phenomenally over the last uh, number of years, the last decade or so. Uh, we've greater insight with a greater understanding the quality of what we can provide from interventions are are outstanding um, so we like to think there's a great option here for people when you know you've, you've a, a, a lot of experience and and over a long long number of years in this whole area and it's invaluable experience because unfortunately there are not many people with the insight that you have as a result of your experience when someone comes to you and says um the pain medication is having no effect whatsoever, but I can't give it up because I'm addicted to it and I'm terrified. I tried to give it up, but the withdrawal symptoms were horrific. What approach do you take there, Dominic? Yeah, um, and that's a very sim that is a very standard way people will come and present to us. So let's just take the area of I know back pain. Back pain, excuse me, has been a theme, I suppose. So you'd be looking for why why is the pain being generated? What what are the causes for it? Is it a mechanical element? So people, in fact, may have a facet joint, or they may have a, a lumbar disc that's actually irritated, that's inflamed, and that that's constantly driving the pain pattern on a day to day basis. So they might start well in the morning, and as the day goes on, they get stiffer. They get end up to soreness, they end up with radiating pain across to the front of their hips, down their legs. So that actually is the driver. So that's where I would focus on then is targeting that source of pain, try and minimize that. And then as part of that, then one of the outcomes would be, can we reduce those those medications by 30%, 50% and then get them back into activity. And it is very feasible to do that because obviously people have to buy in. They come with the good intentions to help themselves. That's what we need to work with. But that is all very reasonable because you're actually beginning to get on top of the real source of the problem. You're not covering the problem over by just taking a tablet to make you feel better, get you over a, 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 an acute flare-up. 
but when it's been really driven by something a lot, a lot more, uh, mm-hmm. a lot more significant. And we may investigate it. We do MRI scanning, for example, and, and various X-rays to try and organise it. And then you find people fit into certain pathways. So there's like a pyramidal effect of where you start. You might step forward to the next uh, uh, procedure from there, and that helps people a lot. Now, the first thing people always ask me then is, well, am I on a a similar slippery slope if I start this set of injections, am I going to be stuck with injections? Actually, the answer is no. You tend to get much better. People tend to make the group the progress quicker. It allows them to get back into Pilates, maybe even something as simple as walking down to the shop and walking the dog, which is a huge problem for the moment. That rebuilds up the muscle structure. So they're really beginning to work with them with their own issues and we build within that framework uh, to get it right. So there are there is another complete scope outside it. And probably people who come to my clinic, um, we would look at 70% or 80% of them requiring some form of procedure because they need it, because there is another option. And generally speaking, it's not drug not drug related. It's not an opioid, and uh, and so be it. But it does make a big difference for these people if they get a bit of confidence in it. Because I'm sure the other thing that's been a team across your program is the way people feel that this just erodes their confidence. They're not able to go to work. They're not able to get out and do social things, and they just want to kind of become so isolated that they, they just life doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't really be any more fun, you know. Yeah, and, and, and the way you put it, it makes perfect sense. One thing I've done over the last few months, I've kind of, I took a crash course and educated myself in my spine. And this is something I was never aware of before that, uh, well, I, I knew that the spine literally controls the entire body, but I wasn't aware that there are four different areas to the spine and each area has a responsibility for different parts of you. Like when you think of, the, you know, the cervical, the thorax, the lumbar, the sacral, they are like different yeah. continents, aren't they? They're drawn together, connected, but they're like different continents. Completely, you couldn't have said it. Couldn't have said it nicer to describe it that way. I think that's that's exactly it, and and that's part of the challenge. For example, when when I would examine someone, is to say which of those portions are the key player, which is the one that's driving this, because essentially, and you probably know yourself, it feels like your whole back is is really really in trouble. It's mm-hmm. all over the place. It's just you don't know where it's coming from. Is it my shoulders? Is it my lower back? But by focusing on a primary area, I would work and I would start on that aspect to itself. And then from there, the other areas become much more manageable. And sometimes you actually find that that shoulder pain you thought was a problem actually can be resolved by dealing with the lower back aspect to it itself. Um, so it's, it's a really controlled, really clinically driven, uh, evidence-based uh, for this aspect to it. And thankfully, you know, pain medicine, although people don't talk about it, it's been around for an awful long time. I mean, the last 10, 20 years of just what we can do interventionally, imagery, um, is, is brought things massively forward. And there's people now who really would really would push the interventional aspect from patients' perspective because they can see the benefit. And it ranges right across, you know, interventions, as I said, injections, right up to technology. We have really advanced technology that can deal with all these aspects and, and help people move forward with their lives again. So, yes, the key is you've got to try and localise where the driving source is, start with that and, and move on from there. Were you surprised at the statistics I read out yesterday, uh, Dominic, in relation to the number of Irish people who have got back pain issues? 86% of, of Irish people at some point in their lives will experience uh, bad to severe back pain issues. Were you surprised by that? 
No, that's that would be the, the norm expectation. The evidence, the literature has been stating that for an awful long time. There was a study going back almost to 2010 and maybe 2000 before that from Europe. So it's a European thing. Ireland is part of that. We were a big player in it. And it's a very, it's a big, big issue. Because you must think about it, about 60% of admissions or at least uh, discussions with GPs revolve around pain. And back is one of the key aspects when it comes to that. Um, when I see people in my clinic and we do our work, because um, I'm based in the matter private, so we see a lot of people coming through the services here. It's it's low back pain. It's 60, 70 percent of the time, and it's really problematic. And we're always trying to you know get the right mix for people, right? So no, it doesn't surprise me at all. And other areas get forgotten about the cervical area, the headaches, for example, chronic pelvic pain, um, coccidemia, which is tail end pain because someone has slipped on on the ice or fallen off the chair at home. These things just add up so quickly, Garrett. It's mm. it's uh, it's amazing, and you know. One in five people suffering globally in Europe with chronic pain makes it a massive disease. It makes it a huge issue, way beyond diabetes, very much beyond even um, kind of cardiology level of stuff. But unfortunately, it doesn't just have that kind of glamour and that doesn't have that kind of a sexy appeal for people to to, uh, to push it and to meet the needs that are needed uh, globally at this stage. And Ireland is no different than the UK and in Europe. Um, perhaps in Europe they take the ratio a bit better. They have more physicians, they have more consultants involved in it. So we're always trying to bring the profile up and um, giving people the skills to deal with it in the clinical and healthcare world. And we often rely on, on physiotherapists. We often rely on other areas to try and help people out and off that as well. So it's not just, you know, paying consultants driving this. It's a whole, a whole family, if you like. It's a multi-team approach because it's a, the disease of pain is a spectrum disease and it needs multi-management. It needs a spectrum of management. And uh, there are, thankfully are a range of options, but unfortunately people are just not aware of what they are. And as you started from the, the start of this conversation is is it a prescription that's fine because it can be done there and then in a gp's office or wherever it gets the ball rolling but you know three months down the road you are defined as having chronic pain it's only three months 12 weeks so if someone came in today with pain by the jazz weekend in cork they could technically be a chronic pain patient it comes on that quickly so people do need to pay attention to it try and react to it reasonably quickly um, and and act on it. You know, it's important that they discuss these with with people who know what they're what they're driving them to the right level. GPs now are more alert than ever, thankfully, of the dangers of these products. Um, and opiates are not on their own. There are other problems. There are other problems with other agents as well, and we have to be alert to that. Mm. Um, but the idea here really is to get the multimodal, the balanced approach, the item that works for an individual because that one-size-fit-all model really doesn't exist and you pick up on the bits that people get the benefit from. So for you, it could be a number of facet injection, another individual, it might be something advanced as a neuromodulation and spinal cord stimulation and the spectrum is there. So that's that's what we're trying to do. But awareness is the key element. So as I said, I compliment you and the team there in 96 to be actually putting this kind of conversation up there for people because people just don't uh, probably realise that they can do an awful lot by helping themselves and get knowledgeable about the area and perhaps more people should study the spine like you did Garrett <laughs> well, I, well this, I suppose it's as a resu- result of that car crash that uh, I, I was in almost four, four, yes, four or five indeed, months ago um, and, yeah, uh, and I, I compliment you I mean many 
sorry, there are not many people, you know, struggle to get back to work so quickly yeah. after such a level of accident, you know, and that's that's a, that's a, a huge achievement and it just, you know, fair play to you and but for, there's so many people who do their very best with this and who deal with yeah. broke, with pain on a day-to-day basis. It's it's amazing, really, and I compliment everyone. They're just doing their bit uh, to do it. So, you know, you have to give credit to these people as well. Well, absolutely. And as you know, as, as you said, it's a multi-team approach and I think, as you know from the staff, where you are there in the, the matter private and where I was in CUH and South Infirmary, Dr. Declan Reedy, the spine surgeon and that, extraordinary people with an amazing insight, but I think it's only when you see the insight and the experience that they have, Declan, that or Dominic, that you, you say to yourself, I really need to learn more about my body. Um, and that was where I, I discovered the whole issue of uh, what was causing the shocking uh, nerve pains down my left leg into my foot. And it's interesting because uh, Barry, a listener, says, if you could just ask uh, Dominic, uh, I had a bad car accident two years ago, but I'm now left with burning sensations in my feet and in my ankles. And I was diagnosed recently with peripheral neuropathy. Can you ask him? Uh, can I expect to have this for the rest of my life or will it pass? The, the, the two answer is uh, at about two years out, that is probably very well established in the nerve fibers at this stage. So it, it, it's likely it will stay put. Mm. We know historically many years before either of us were around, pain does settle down over time, whether it's the peripheral aspect of it settles down or whether it's the central bit, the actual bit in the brain, the pain center, begins to accept that as norm and says, this is my normal and I, I, I accept that. So that's probably what will happen in some respects. Well, at that stage out, you know, you know, neuropathies, I would be inquiring what has been done, how, is there some options to do that and to manage that locally? Is there some aspects that can be treated? So it's not something you'd say, oh, that's the end of the cause. We do have options. There's topical agents, for example, that are still with peripheral neuropathies very much. We, for example, would have methods of assessing that neuropathy, see how far those fibres are in the mainstream or whether they're outside a certain parameter and how well they could or might respond to it. It's that this is a technique called quantitative sensory testing, which really just sees how well those nerves will function in an office setting, what would happen, how does it respond to hot and cold and then by comparing that to a database that I have from the, the German model and it's globally there, we can see where an individual sits and immediately that's hugely informative to a person because you cannot say, well, I'm sticking my finger in the sky here and I think the wind is blowing left or right. You can say, no, I can see there's 50% of your fibres are misfunctioning but that means there's 50% of them doing okay. Maybe we can work on retaining those and possibly making the other group a little bit better. So that's the kind of way, you know, we should be thinking of this type of disease is, is looking for the solutions by, by going forward. So uh, I, I know that's kind of slightly off the question. No, asking, it makes sense. It just demonstrates, it demonstrates how, how a conversation would go in my, in my clinic when a person comes in. That's exactly what I want to tease out. Where are we? And then we can work out where the end point can be from there and work out, uh, you know, is it, an individual, what works for them, what's the best option, uh, etc. So there's, there's these kind of things need to be discussed. Mm. Uh, one final question, because I know you're up to your eyes there in the clinic. Um, in relation to over-the-counter pain medication and I suppose our over-reliance on it because it's just so generally easy to <clears throat> go in and, and pay for and pick up and take, are yeah. we still in that are we still in that corner of the ring? Is that the first option? Or are we becoming more aware uh, of the importance to look into the options that you've been talking about? 
there's it's a very hard one to answer straight off guard because it because of the ease of walking in and getting something and it's a quick fix and and you get sorted you know i can understand why you do that i'd understand what happens i think what i would be saying to people if that becomes the norm and that's your accepted uh, then they do need to look beyond it it's grand if it's dealing with the issue and it's dealing with it as i said there's a spectrum of pain disease so if that's what's managing it for people that's fine but if it becomes the norm and that's part of your day-to-day routine having to take tablets i think they then do need to look at them at what's going on have a discussion with someone gp wise for example might be a very good starting point and just see is there other ways of dealing with it and you know even if you look at the dosages of some of these products that are available over the counter and and you highlight at the start they're sometimes in excess because obviously the pharma business they want it to be effective they want their client who buys their product to think it's wonderful and it's done a great job so they're tending to err error on the side of we'll give we give plenty whereas an individual might need that much they might need only half of it so it, that's the kind of manipulation that you need to look at see what the numbers are going at so it is it is easy to get to it uh, thankfully the pharma the pharmacists have been very helpful in helping control this and anyone who has gone looking for these products nearly has to fill out a whole format now to get it and that's the right thing to do mm. because it's not being it's not trying to be negative towards people they're actually trying to help you and if you have to go through that each time and it's once a week or once a month you're doing it you know you probably do need to be speaking to someone and try and find a better solution because long term uh, as that documentary and many other ones have gone on over the years it's not really the long term solution to just be pouring stuff into your body uh, the body is clever it does realize if i'm getting something i like it will look for more it will crave for it um, and that's what you have to be observant of and provide other ways of dealing with pain and as i said thankfully we understand pain medicine and pain pathways far better now than we ever did and uh, i i'm very confident that we can help a lot of people um maybe not 100% but if we can get 50 60% improvement for individuals that can make such a different difference on a person's quality of life uh, and that's what it comes down to pain is a part of the picture quality of life sleeping quality ability to go to uh, the, the the wedding the party with the friends and at least socialize and be around people who they they take care of and their family because that's the other side that fall out on this and I'm sure you might have even seen it yourself Garrett so many people fall under stress once the individual in their life is a in pain everybody else is also struggling around it so the knock on effect of chronic pain is just right right across the whole community that is so true it just changes the whole dynamic of a family it certainly does dominic thank you so much for talking to us this morning thanks for taking the Pleasure. time out of your busy day and um, we'll chat to you again soon thank you very much have a great day thank you, you too thank you. thank you thank you that's dr Dem- dominic hegarty there um check out his website by the way it's a very enlightening very insightful website there's huge amounts of information on what we've just been talking about that's www.painreliefireland.ie and in relation to angela who we were talking to yesterday angela said she takes oxynorm now that's a different division of the oxycontin family one is time release uh, i think the other not sure which it is, one way or the other. Uh, the other tends to be a much faster-acting uh, tablet, uh, and the other tends to be a time-release tablet, r- released over a four- to five period, as I understand it. Corks 96 FM.